Well, hello and welcome to another edition of Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham, where Team Needham discusses everything healthcare. I'm your host, Sean Needham, along with my wonderful wife, Janet, and we are super excited to have Dr. Reed Davis back on our program today. He is going to be discussing food sensitivities. A few months ago, uh, one of his uh, protégés, Evan Transu, was on our podcast and kind of started mentioning this subject, and I'm like, we've got to have somebody on to talk more in depth about food sensitivities. So without further ado, uh, Reed, uh, welcome to our show. Well, thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here to talk about anything health, any health solution, but this is a big one. So thanks. It for is. And, and tell us how you got into, tell how you got into food sensitivity testing. Funny, it's one of the first tests I started to run. I, I went, I got out of environmental law conservation. You know, I was saving the planet and I started to get concerned more about people, including myself. I was getting older and in good health. I didn't want anything sneaking up on me. So I, I started working in a clinic to work on people instead, changing my education background a little bit. But man, uh, one of the first tests I was introduced to that we could run in our wellness center that I could order any time because it's not a diagnostic test. It's it's not a medical test. It's it's a blood test, but it's just for food sensitivities. So I started running this test on people. Um, lo and behold, got some miraculous, miraculous turnarounds. Now, not in every person, and I can explain how it works, but man, did I start, you know, I started looked like a real hero to the first few people I tested. So, so I've added it into my repertoire and now it's part of my training program. And boy, I just don't know what we'd do without it. Well, tell us a little bit about, I think sometimes do is sensitivity the same as an allergy, a food allergy versus a sensitivity. Can you explain that? Oh, well, sure. No, it's not a, it's not an allergy because your doctor probably would have figured that out already. If you, or, or you'd have figured it out for yourself. Yeah. So there's this immune system and immunoglobulins and IgE, immunoglobulin E, just it's one of the four or five types of antibodies that we have. And it reacts very violently in some people to certain antigens, antibody generating uh, constituents or particles. So for instance, if you're allergic to a dog, you know darn well that when a dog comes in the room, the dander, you know, pretty soon your immune system's interacting and your eyes are watering, you're sneezing, your skin's getting itchy and things. So that's a true allergy. And that's through the IgE part of the immune system. Well, there's other parts of the immune system and they're not as sensitive. They're, they're, they maybe take uh, 48, 72 hours to even respond. So how are you going to know? You know, that uh, whether it's a food or a chemical or something in the environment that you're sensitive to, if it takes that long to produce a response, a negative response, usually, um, how are you going to know? And especially if you just eat it every day and it tastes good and you like it and, you know, seems to satisfy your hunger and, you know, all these other satiation comes from it. So, so what do you know? Turns out that some of these um, delayed reaction sensitivities can be very crucial to to recovering one's health and to solving the mystery of all these sort of ghost diseases. <laughs> Janet, what questions do you have about food sensitivity testing? 
Well, sensitivities can, I, I think, are sneaking up on people is kind of where I'm, I'm hearing in the storyline of what you're talking about. And I can see how you could get somebody who's in your office that's doing many things the right way, but they just can't, they can't get past this. And there's no other way besides testing to find out what that would be. And also, do they journal what they're doing? I mean, how does that look like? I mean, do you just say, you know, I think I should test you or, you know, what, what's the picture? Yeah, wonderful question, because that gets down to dealing one-on-one with people. And our whole mission in life is to help others. And so if someone does come in your office and they've, they're they suffering, I'll give you an example. Lady, we, were do, we had a chiropractic, acupuncture, massage, nutrition, all kinds of things in our wellness center, including medical oversight. And and uh, lady comes in and she's getting chiropractic care. And she's on about her fifth or eighth visit. I don't know. And I was just walking her back to the chiropractic treatment room and I could tell something was wrong. She wasn't my client yet for nutrition. As a nutritionist and body worker, I served very well at that office. And I started being the lab guy. This is a long time ago, (laughs) last century. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's when I started. So Anyway, one of the first cases where I realized how important, how significant these food sensitivities are, this lady comes in, wonderful person, and she's on about her maybe eighth visit, and I noticed something was bad, wrong with her and said, what's wrong? And she, her head was down, and she says, oh, I'm just very upset with this extra weight. You know, I'm 40 pounds overweight. It's been going on a couple of years, and you know, me, the happy guy, I'm about to say, well, what are we going to do? Let's work on it. You know, no, no, there's, she goes, I'm just so frustrated, Reed, because there's nothing I can do about it. I'm on a medication for the hives. You know, I get itchy all the time. And so she had just been to the doctor for a checkup and she, she said, you know, and I just went to the doctor, she's explaining why her head is staring at the floor and feeling so lousy. And uh, she goes, I was just at the doctor. I said, doctor, I'm really, really tired of being overweight. I can't stand this extra 40 pounds that she gained in two years. She had otherwise been quite fit and a happy person. And um, according to her, he said, well, you can be fat. You can have the hives. Take your pick. Mm. And again, I'm trying to get these words out of my mouth. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And she she says, and you know, I told him how depressing that was. Well, that's very depressing. And he said, according to her, I'll be happy to write your prescription for antidepressants if you want. Oh, that'll make it better. Yes. You guys know where I'm going with this. So finally I got, oh, well, I called her her name. Well, you know, did you ever try to find out why you get the hives? Why didn't you just do that? And man, her head snapped around so hard. I thought she wouldn't need her chiropractic visit. Then. <laughs> you know, what? <laughs> uh, what do you mean? I said, mm-hmm. I'm telling you, you, you know, I, I don't know if I can help you or not, but there's tests to see for people with skin conditions. And so sure enough, we ran this No, not just skin conditions, but, but I, right. so we ran this test. I recall distinctly, this is well over 20 years ago, that within nine days, I saw her again nine days after I'd given her results and changed her diet and some other things. So nine days later, she goes, Reed, I'm off the medication. 
I'm in the gym working out to a sweat and taking hot showers. Two things I didn't even know. But she couldn't take a hot shower and work out to a sweat because of the even on the meds, she got the hives, big red blotches, including on her face and chest and neck and all over. So um wow, what a miraculous turnaround. I thought, hey, maybe there's something to that testing. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. So I could give you so many more stories, migraine headaches. Um, I once got a call from, not to belabor the issue, but, you know, these sensitivities can have all kinds of effects, immune system, hormones, the digestive system, your detoxification systems can get um, congested and things. We talk about anything you want, but I recall distinctly over 20 years ago when I was first learning about these tests, a, I got a call from a principal of a elementary school. Hey, I'm Billy's principal. Um, Billy is a completely different kid. He's behaving. He's not poking at the other kids. He's paying attention. His grades have shot up. What did you put him on? <laughs> Which to mm. me is funny because obviously we didn't put him on anything. Right. We, just, we put him on a better lifestyle and track yeah. for health because he had, his mom had complained. They want to put him on drugs. I don't want to. What can I do? I don't know if I could help you or not, but let's get check for food sensitivities and some other things. But um, sure enough, same thing. Food sensitivities were very much involved in these people's problems, including I don't know how many people with migraine headaches. You know, so it, the food sensitivities are not allergies because your doctor would have figured it out and uh, you'd have figured it out because of the immediacy of the <laughs> symptoms. But these these um, delayed reactions are quite insidious. Now, what would you say? Can you recall um, what is the most common food sensitivity that you see? Uh, yeah, I could give you the top five. And then yeah. egg, eggs, soy. Dairy, wheat, or gluten, and um, egg, soy, dairy, wheat, gluten, and corn. So those are the top five, and the rest are there's some that are close, and you might hear people argue that it's something else. But the dairy and grains and uh, eggs and corn and soy, believe it or not, are the top five that we see. But it doesn't matter if it's you have a popular sensitivity or a very rare sensitivity. It only matters to you what you're right. sensitive to. And that's why we run the tests, um, which I figured was common. Like, when would you run this test? Yeah. Anytime someone has a health problem that seems intractable, that's a chronic sort of ongoing downward spiraling, you know, um, and no one else can figure it out, you rule out food sensitivities. You can run the test. Anyone can order it. You don't have to be a doctor. And so it's readily available. It's it's you, it's an investment probably of three hundred and fifty dollars plus whatever the office visit costs you, and that could vary. But um, you know it's amazing. And um, Janet, you mentioned journaling and that kind of a thing. It's really hard. You know, if you eat forty or fifty different foods, mm-hmm. and it's not one of the common items I just mentioned, you could sort of rule that out, just get off those big five for three or four weeks and see what happens. Now, there's lots of other good stuff to eat, folks, so don't worry. You're not going to go hungry. 
but you know you, you've got um ways to sort of sort that out and <laughs> it's actually amazing how many on this test how many food sensitivities are are tested so the test i like best it's called the mediator release test it's not age it's not even igg um it's not aga it's not igm it's a different way of looking at reactivities through the blood and uh the current test just went up to 176 foods but no one eats wow. 176 foods nobody eats that variety of foods i mean i could eat steak and snap peas almost every night <laughs> yeah. but but um but you know you probably eat 25 or 30 foods very regularly and they're probably included in this 176 foods and if you had to say what the least common food that has sensitivities is, what would that be? Uh, that's a toughie because, yeah. uh, you know, it, it. but I've seen oddball things show up that are common foods like carrots and onions. Matter of fact, onions are kind of up there. Onions and garlic, they have. There's a lot of sensitivity to that. But you just take your asparagus, for instance. Who would be allergic to asparagus? Well, there are people. And again, I, I used allergy uh, as a misnomer there, but but um, but it's sensitive. And here's another thing to consider. How many foods are you sensitive to out of 176? Because on this test, this is a key factor. If a question didn't come up, you still need to know. Do you have to have eaten the food? Is a is a, it's called challenging? Have you? Would you have yeah. to challenge? No, IgG, IgM, IgA, IgE. You have to challenge it. Right, right. You know, so with Ig, you know, people have been to an allergist and they they you lay down with your shirt off right. and they put, they put little pricks on your back. Well, they're putting the the antigen directly into the skin, so that's a challenge. The other challenges would involve eating the food. Uh, if you want to know if you're sensitive to bread, have a sandwich <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then get the test. If you haven't eaten bread in, in three years, the test could show negative because it's not uh, raising that immunoglobulin, that IgG or whatever it is you're right. measuring. Um, so you, you could have a false negative. With the MRT test, it's if you show sensitive, it doesn't matter if you've eaten it or not. The, the answer is don't eat it. If I you see, look okay. at the test, there's 10 things on there that you, I've never eaten that. Well, good, don't. And right. they, <laughs> yeah. so, because it doesn't have to be challenged. The test yeah. alone is the challenge. Now, um, how many do, do the people do you ever retest somebody or is it just a oh, one time? Yeah, so, and why would you retest well, somebody? Well, because these things can change. And what we notice, I was gonna I was gonna mention this, the number of sensitivities also tells us something about that person. So if that person has a, a whole lot of sensitivities, I've had people with 40, 50 sensitivities. And that comes in as a uh, part of the discussion of do you have to challenge? No, this will tell you if you would be sensitive. So you could have 40, 50, 60. I might have seen 70 different um, sensitivities in someone, and they're a sicker person, you know, compared yeah. the average person might have nine or 12 or 18. 
sensitivities and get off that stuff. Let's see what shakes out. And we run other labs, of course. But but um, this, uh, it, it's a ruling out. And if someone has 40, 50, 60 sensitivities, you'd hope like hell, and it happens regularly, that as they start improving gut health and digestive health mm -hmm. and the intestinal health and, and just overall health, that their sensitivities would reduce. Now, if they reduce, that's good. Uh, you can, here's more you could add to your menu, but um, they could also change. And that's the odd thing. It's just the way the body works. You have 14 sensitivities, Mrs. Smith. We're going to do some gut healing here, you know, work for a couple months, whatever. We actually expect people to get off the foods. I know I mentioned three or four weeks. That's just the start. You absolutely should stay off those foods for 90 days. Mm -hmm. And then we can retest and see if anything's changed. And usually there are some differences. It's just the way it works. And so that's not a bad thing or a good thing. It's just, just part of the management of oneself. So the answer to your question, absolutely we retest. And and sometimes, you know, you, you got to wonder if, you know, especially somebody with a bunch of different sensitivities, I mean, obviously, probably they've got some health, other health issues going on, a lot of inflammation in their body. So they're just, they, they are sensitive to a lot of things, um, probably more than just foods, honestly. Because um, you mentioned eggs being a big one, for instance. And, and really, I mean, if you look at us, evolutionarily speaking, from generation to generation, generations back, um, I mean, eggs have been a staple in probably almost every culture. And so really, we should not be sensitive to eggs. So there's some health issues going on that need to be fixed if you're sensitive to eggs, in my opinion. Do you have any comment about that? That's uh, very observant. And you would think, you'd think that, you know, hey, my grandfather ate eggs and his great-great-great-grandfather to the 500th power <laughs> were egg eaters. And that doesn't matter because there's other things that weren't in those ancient times. All the environmental that have changed right. our health, they've changed the way we function, they've changed. The body just can't handle the current environment. If you remember where I started in the 90s, I was in environmental law and saving the whole planet, doing a lot of you name it. But, um, you know, so things are different now. <laughs> and there may have been some caveman that was also sensitive to eggs. I don't right. think so. you could extrapolate this or that. Um, but, but the fact is today, a lot of people are, and um, he, he, something else you mentioned is really important. So, you know, this is all back in the day. Almost everything I teach now in my course is based on what I learned in 10 years in the office. I mean, I was a busy clinician. 10 years, I ran thousands of labs on thousands of people and said, here, this is what I found. Now, what do you do about it? You change your lifestyle. I'm not, I'm really not a physician. I'm a, uh, I was in the clinic, a nutritionist who ran labs. Now I teach a course in lab work. The point I'm trying to make is that I looked at a lot of labs and more than most people. And then instructed people on what I would do if I was them. Don't eat this anymore if it was me. Right. Now, on these, let me just say that Please. 
what I noticed is they would come back and say, you know, I got off the XYZ and I feel better, but I also noticed other things about my environment. This is something I think Janet alluded to was there's other things in the environment that would be equally sensitive to, and they start paying attention because you paid attention to your food. You notice, oh, I feel better when I, when I don't eat this. Um, what else is in my environment? Household cleaning products, personal yep. care products, furniture, paint, you you name it. What Where you work, if you work out in an in industrial shop somewhere, hey, when you took off for two weeks for a vacation, how did you feel at the end of that two weeks? Oh, fantastic, man. And then as soon as I went back to work, what happens? <laughs> so, or even just going and uh, I have a, a doctor friend in Australia. One of his uh, prescriptions is, Go live in a tent in the woods for two weeks and see how you feel after that. Now, if you don't get eaten by something down there, <laughs> you know, if you don't get a snake bite or punch uh, in the nose by a kangaroo or something silly, uh, people feel much better when they get out of certain environments. And that tells yeah. you something. That tells you something very much related to food sensitivities. Yeah, it's, it's environmental stuff. Um so on the food sensitivity testing, is it a positive or a negative, or is it a is there a scale? A, a- it's really that's a great question too. So every single item they test for is gradiated as to how reactive it is, and so some foods are just minimally teeny tiny bit reactive. Well, they're safe, you know, and then they get a little more reactive, a little more reactive, a little. So there's actually a little bar graph for each item. And when the bar graph gets long enough, it's horizontal in this case. It can do it vertical, a lot of ways to report things. Who cares? But when it gets beyond a certain level of reactivity, we'd call it a danger. And then there's the ones that go up and change, they change the color from green to, to yellow. And then they change to red when it gets beyond a certain threshold where, hey, we know this has got to be causing inflammation whether it's, you know, creating migraines or uh, rashes or joint pain or indigestion or, you know, all these other kinds of uh, bad reactions, it's contributing to your downward spiral. Absolutely. Stress-related downward spiral lifestyle-based problems. And so, yeah, uh, the degree to which that's happening is the degree to which you might uh, be remedied should you eliminate all of those foods. Right. And so, you know, there's the green, yellow, red to answer your question. And we, we tell our clients just no yellows either. Why take any chances? Yeah. 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 Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, it's kind of, it's almost, uh, um, I don't even know how, how to say it, but it's almost, you know, why are we so surprised that food can change <laughs> how we feel so much you know, I mean, you know, we act like it should be a surprise, but it, but it's just not. I mean, we're putting things in our body um, that that you know fuels us and and nutrients and vitamins and minerals that are in that food. Why should we be surprised that what we put in our body can really really change our health? Oh, um, it does surprise some people, and that's right. a surprise to me and you. You know, like <laughs> right. the people are surprised how how um, it affects us, but if you think about it, how, what do we do every single day besides get up and get out of bed and 
maybe hydrate ourselves, that it can have that much of an effect on our uh, health and overall health, total health, not just one area or another. And and people are uh, amazed. And it you know, leads to a discussion about food. What are the required elements and things? I love talking about that, too. But in terms of uh, food, what you do three, four times a day, eat, right? Uh, boy, eat the wrong things, good. I mean, not good. Eat the right things, good. But you yeah. eat the wrong things, you're going to pay. You're yeah. going to pay, even if it's just, say, the glycemic index or too much fat or, or whatever it is. You know, you, you're going to pay. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think some of us know, you know, I know for myself, you know, when you speak of going to pay, I know there's certain things that if I eat and I still choose to eat them sometimes, I'm, I'm going to pay. But it's also a reminder why you don't do it very often. <laughs> you know? Yeah, um, I get me too. <laughs> now, I, I'm going to put you on the spot um, on this one. Have you ever seen somebody that has a sensitivity to red meat? Oh yeah, sure. Okay. All right. Yeah, yeah. I have a good friend who, who every time he tests that same MRT test that I'm talking about, beef comes up. So okay. when he comes over, you know, I, I'm a steak man. I love my steaks, right. and I know how to cook them. I'm a griller uh, from way back, and people love my my grilled uh, filet mignon, filet mignon tips, and things like that. I'll, I can cook anything, but. But, um, man, not for him. Nope. He, and every time he tests, because we keep hoping, answer one of your previous questions, that that might go away. Yeah, right. So, you know, and his wife is one of my practitioners. And so, um, you know, she keeps working on his gut and healing the gut. And, you know, there's a long history there that's going to take some time. But um, I'm, I'm hopeful one day. But in the, in the end, fish and chicken and pork you know and he likes lamb and yeah. he's not sensitive to any of those so you know what don't worry mrs smith that's what i call every uh prospective client uh we'll find you a nice meal Good. plan yeah absolutely so as we wrap this podcast up reed um what do you have a passion for well helping others and teaching and right now i'm doing a lot of research on some of the newer things that are out. Um, a lot of it's around glycemic control, you know, and blood sugar and uric acid. Um, if the audience hasn't read Ron uh, Perlmutter's book, Drop Acid, they're not talking about Timothy Leary. They're talking <laughs> about, they're talking about uh, uric acid, which yeah. is basically a byproduct of too much sugar. And it, it's, it's a independent risk factor for the top 10 diseases that kill people, including things like dementia and heart disease and these kind of things. So I, I'm really I'm always passionate about helping others, uh, the environment, of course. But, um, but man, some of these new labs and developments and research, very exciting. Yes, it is. So as we wrap this podcast up, uh, what is the best way if somebody wants to find out more information about these food sensitivities, how do they find that? Well, they should go to fdntraining.com slash health solutions. So, you know, we, we do what's called functional diagnostic nutrition. We're in 50 countries. It's referred to as FDN. So go to fdntraining.com slash health solutions. And we've got, uh, I think, a free gift for you there that will introduce you to more information. 
That's awesome. Well, I so appreciate you being on the show today, uh, Reed. You have helped us to realize our goal, which is to educate and empower individuals to take charge of their own health. So stay on the show um, afterwards. I got a quick question for you off air. Okay, Sean. Good job. Thank you. Yes, thank you. And listeners and viewers, thank you for tuning in to Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham. Tune in uh, Thursday for our midweek podcast, 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. Actually, it's 6 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, I believe. Um, Stay tuned for the update on that. Uh, Jennifer Woodward is going to be talking about um, losing weight during perimenopause, something that we talk about all the time at Mose Lake Professional Pharmacy since we specialize in hormones. So you don't want to miss out on that Thursday midweek podcast. Thank you, listeners and viewers, for tuning in to Health Solutions with Sean. Sean and Janet Needham. Thank you.